In Mark's Gospel, chapter number 6, verse number 31. I'm going to be reading out of the English Standard Version this morning. (laughs) Yes, that does help. It says, And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. And when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? (laughs) And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said, A blessing, and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied, and they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. Let's go ahead and pray this morning. Jesus, I want to thank you for God sees that split when you show up. I want to thank you, God, for good things that you have for your people. I thank you, Lord, for your presence already made known to us. And God, we seek and desire your help this morning. We ask you to bless listener. And God, bless the reading of your word. And watch over it this morning, we pray. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. This morning, I'm going to take for a title or select for a title, One Mistake, 5,000 Miracles. And um, when I get to the mistake, you wonder in reading this passage, where is there a mistake? But um, actually, it's more in the first point, we have a misstep, but um, we, we kind of get right into that. But basically, what has happened here is that Jesus' disciples has come to him after a real exciting time, a real high uh, they were they were riding high because now they had been walking with Jesus for quite some time, and Jesus did something that probably I know would have blew my mind, but it definitely had to have blown their mind. And that was he turned to them and said, "Guess what? All the things that I'm doing now, I'm now going to empower you to go do those things." What? You mean the blind people that are being healed, and the messages that you're speaking, the words that you're speaking? What an incredible, astounding moment that must have been to to be there when they were back here and Jesus stops one day and while they're sitting around, I don't know, the campfire, I don't know if somebody played a guitar or not or if they had the equivalent, I don't know, roasted marshmallows. Jesus says, hey, guess what, fellas, this next outing, you're going to go out and you're going to preach the kingdom of God. Whoa. Okay, Jesus, that's great, but you do all this other stuff, so how are we going to translate that? Well, that's the thing. I'm going to lay hands on you, and I'm going to empower you, and you're going to go do what I do. What? <laughs> that This is a whole other level in their relationship. 
So Jesus does this, prays over them, gives them strict, strict instruction on what they are to do, where they are to go, where they are not to stay. And he releases them, so much so that according to the understanding of the scripture, they, they go out on their own and they come back. So apparently they did this without supervision. They'd been with Jesus long enough that Jesus allowed them to go out. And when they came back, other uh, gospels kind of describe it as rejoicing. They were, they were excited. I mean, wow, we laid hands and then the thing healed and the, the arm was straight and the, the lame, they stood up. And whoa, I mean, can you imagine how the adrenaline rush that must have been? of seeing what worked through the hands of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus now was working through them. You talk about on high. They were riding, they were riding a Hawaii surfing contest level. They were right an all time high coming in this. They come surfing into the shore and say, Whoa, dude, did you see that? You know what I mean? There was some excitement in these disciples. Okay. Some true uh, enthusiasm here. But as Jesus sees their excitement and he knows that this adrenaline pump is high, he also knows that you can't ride on that high. You can't ride there. You can't live there. You can ride a wave. You cannot live out on the wave. So he turns to them and he gives them kind of an interesting invitation to a retreat. Where are we going, Jesus? Palm trees. We're going, Jesus, where are we going, Jesus? We're going uh, out, you know, where they've got, you know, lakes and they've got ski boats and we're going to have a little ministry retreat. No, Jesus says we're going to a desolate place. Now, is that a town? <laughs> you know, I wonder if that kind of went through how. I remember one time there was a, a place really in, in California, or, or no, it wasn't California, someplace. I can't remember where it was at, but I remember the sign. So it was like the town was called like hell or something like that. It was, I thought, man, who wants to live there, right? I mean, it, I guess it gets easy when things get tough. I just live in hell, man. I mean, I, I guess it's really simple when it's like that, right? Well, you know, here Jesus, I love that Jesus doesn't disguise a desolate place. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's okay. Right, we're getting in a boat. The disciples, where's desolate place? No name, right? No name. Though there are names that are believed of where these guys went. And um, they, they get in the boat, and they're coming across the water. And the goal is, Jesus says, we're going to rest a while. We're going to take a break. You know, you guys, we're, we're going to get this all and, and debrief this and get get to the bottom of this. But as they do so... They, it says that they get to the other side and many people were running to them on foot. The needs were getting ahead of them. The things that they were, the things, the, the needs of the people were running ahead and met them coming out of the boat. And what I find really interesting, if you'll read this closely, you're going to find kind of an interesting kind of uh, forward, inter- kind of merging, uh, kind of Jesus blending, and Jesus then emerging. And what happens is, is when they come out, it's, it talks about the disciples and Jesus as they, and it talks about Jesus and the disciples as them. Meaning that the teaching now of Jesus was identified and recognized by other people as among his followers, and they recognized Jesus still as the leader and still as that one. That one, but they were known as they, and they were known as them. But it, it says that, it, for instance, let me just read real quickly. It says, they had no leisure. Listen, for many were coming and going, and they had no leisure to eat. They is not just the disciples. It's Christ, right? Now, many saw them going and recognized them. So now they didn't just recognize Jesus. They got recognition. The disciples recognized the disciples recognizing them. 
And it says, they ran there, the people on foot, all the town got there ahead of them. And I love this. Look at the next verse. When he went ashore. Oh man, this is so awesome. Because until this point, you see, it's, it's a, it's a funny and kind of a weird thing how that, how that this Jesus thing and this church thing gets blended. And suddenly, while we are called to be the church, we're not called to be Jesus. We're called to be Jesus in us to the world, but we represent Christ to the world and his spirit is in us and we are to be his hands and his feet. But let us never confuse the hands and the feet from the head. Let us never confuse who is really in charge, who is really over it, who is really leading it. And sometimes I think that when we get the association, it's a great association. That's a Christian. That's somebody that's a follower of Christ. But somehow as we follow, we get the them thing, that church, those people at that church and that thing. And it's a beautiful thing. But at the same time, when we get to that thing, let Jesus step off the boat first. Let him come ashore. Let the first thing that is recognized about them is Jesus stepping out. Now, here's what's interesting. The reason why this sets us apart is because as Jesus steps out and he begins to look and see, suddenly this retreat gets cut real short. This retreat, this rest is put on hold. He says, he sees them as sheep without a shepherd, and he sees them and he begins to teach them many things. Matthew said he began to heal people. Uh, when, I believe it was Luke uh, began to also say that Jesus also healed people. John doesn't mention any healing. He doesn't mention any teaching. He jumps right into the miracle. This is the only miracle in the feeding of the 5,000 that is confirmed in all four Gospels. All the, all the other miracles happened sometimes confirmed by two witnesses of the Gospels. Not that it did, the other two deny that it happened, but they elected not to include that. That. But here in this story and in this particular one, Mark paints a great pace for us. Because as Jesus is teaching and ministering all day, after a while it's getting late, and the disciples are looking at their watches, and the, the disciples are looking around, and they're seeing the good things that Jesus is saying, and they're starting to think, maybe Jesus made a mistake. Hey, uh, you know, Lord, um, me and the guys were talking, and we just want you to know that we are ready for our break. <laughs> We are ready for our retreat, and in case you know, this is awesome what you're doing, but it is late, and remember, this is a desolate place. The word desolate means deserted of people in a state of bleak and dismal emptiness. They were telling Jesus, this isn't really fun right now. We're tired we're, we're, we're not, we're not really excited about the idea of where food's going to come from, from this great job. The high fives are done. We're getting concerned because it's getting late. They are concerned that Jesus had made a misstep. You see, a rabbi in this time, rabbis in general in this time, they dealt with the interpretation of God's word and they dealt with the application of God's word. And the, and the disciples had been taught very well what Jesus' message was. So they knew what to interpret what Jesus' message was. But where they struggled sometimes is with the application of the kingdom of God. To them, there were certain, to them, they were more stuck into the, the application, meaning, okay, you've healed, and you've ministered, and you've spoke to them, this party is over, it's time for us to move on from here, because this is a desolate place. You know, when you're in a desolate place, your interpretation of offense and things begins to get a little bit off from what's actually happening. Can you say Amen. 
our interpretation can get off. They knew what Jesus had. We live in America. We are more in tune with a Grecian way of thinking than a Jewish way of thinking. Jesus employed the same methods of this time of bringing his disciples close. So they knew what Jesus was about. They knew what he was there and they'd heard this message and they believed in it and they saw the power of it, but they were concerned about their environment. They were concerned about where they were at. They were concerned about the place they were. And if this continued on, they were going to be embarrassed. They were going to be in a real difficult spot because these people were going to be hungry and you're not going down over here to just pick up some fast food. They're going to have to go a long way to get food and to receive something. So their concern was, hey, Jesus, you know what? We know this message. We know what we know. We see the healing. But you know what? I'm a little concerned here. We're a little concerned here about where this is going. Have you ever been in an empty and dismal place? Going from a high place where everything is going your way to now in a desolate place. And what I love about this is Jesus led them here. You see, you can be in a dismal and a lonely and empty place and still things be happening for everybody else. The disciples were went from doing ministry to watching Jesus. What were they doing during this time? Maybe catching people? I don't know. I don't know if they had that ministry then right? I I really don't know. I'm not sure what they were doing. I don't know what they were up to. I don't know if they were up to saying, hey man, you know, that's another one. You know, I don't know if they were watching people, you know, crash in the dirt. I don't know if that happened. I don't know if they just, most likely they were healed and walked away. So, you know, maybe one of them was, you know, kind of cataloging what was going on. But whatever the case was, is that they began to doubt where this was going. You see, when the Jewish, and during this time, one of the things that would happen with the rabbi and his teachers, without going all heavy into it, is this, is that he would plant the teaching, and he would let them discuss and chew and work it out and try to find out how it's going to work for them. You know, isn't it something how what you know that works over there doesn't feel like it works over here? Have you ever been in a good time and season of your life where things were working really well over there, not working too good over here? The thing, the, the, the feelings aren't there. The emotion, the power of that moment isn't quite there. But somehow there, there's some feels like something is off. Something is missing. Yeah, there's miracles happening for them. But you know what? Hey, what are we going to do about our problem? And you say, well, come on, that's kind of a petty thing. Well, yeah, it is. But in a way, think about it. These guys were thinking about something that was, they were concerned Jesus wasn't thinking about. But we learn in John that John, that Jesus was already thinking about all this. And it brought them to their next phase. Go to the second one. I'm going to speed it up a little bit. That's the maturity of a miracle. Jesus did for them something that they didn't quite, weren't quite getting. They come to him. I love it. He doesn't say, hey guys, it's getting late. Get the boat ready. Whatever, whatever. No, he says, he just keeps going, keeps going. And they say, Lord, you know, please do something. It's getting late. We're in a desolate place. Jesus gives them something. He gives them an impossible task. He says, you give them something to eat. Look around. We're not going to scavenge any beets, okay? <laughs> there's no turnips out here, Jesus. There's no, you know, there's no, uh, you know, can we just uh, get, a, you know, some chips? There's not even a little, you know, uh, gas station stop out here. We can kind of go give them some uh, pretzels or something. There's nothing like that going on. But the maturity of a miracle deals with this is 
engaged in them where they are and giving them something that seems altogether impossible and unsustainable, but nevertheless is, is with, with Christ is able to come to pass. He says, you give them something to eat. Now, I love this. He doesn't say, they don't come to him and say, hey, Jesus, um, shouldn't we be doing this? And Jesus says, oh, guys, sorry. You know, I was just, God, you know, I'm in my human body here. You know, I forgot what time it was. Please, whoop. You know, I had a God, I got a God, you know, God thing, you know, slip and mind here in my human brain. No, he says, give them something to eat. You see, maturity is sometimes when we're living in that misstep, God has to bring us into the place we're ready to see what he's going to do. These guys had no idea what Jesus was going to do. We have the, as often in all the gospel, he, we, we kind of have the minute of thinking, okay, Jesus, you need, to, you need to make some miracle happen to feed these people. See, they were worried about the hunger of the people. They weren't worried about them walking away. So Jesus, in speaking to them, is drawing them up, raising them up, for what he's going to do. They're in a desolate place still. You see, when you're in a mature place or maturing, uh, when you're maturing for the miracle that God's going to do, he has to get your mind open enough to a place you're willing to look for it. See, sometimes we're done when God's not done. Sometimes we're done with the marriage and God's not done working on the marriage. Sometimes we're done, we're done working on the problem and God says, I'm not done working on the problem. That's what's happening here. We're done. Okay, Jesus was great. We're done now. This is, we need to get out of here. Let's get back to some, some, some nice, the city where there's people, where there's stuff going on. No, I'm not done here yet. He doesn't say that outright, but what he's communicating is I'm not done here yet, but I'm done. Have you ever been in a place where you're done? Right? You're, you're done. God may not be done, but you're done, right? Okay, sometimes that, that's, that's, that's the nature of being a disciple, being a follower of Christ. I thought we did miracles, signs, and wonders, and we had arrived. Guess what? You had arrived there. Now God has taken you to another place, which, by the way, Jesus led them to. He was leading them to a place where that they would see something, which we'll see in a little bit, that, that they still would miss. But nevertheless, Jesus is still working with them. They couldn't, they had irreconcilable, they couldn't reconcile their circumstances to where and what they were called to be and who they were and where they were supposed to be going. They, 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 they couldn't reconcile the fact that it wasn't time to go. Anytime that you see in the Gospels, the disciples start trying to tell Jesus what to do, it's such a great learning opportunity. Jesus has something he's getting ready to cook. He's cooking up. He's getting ready to let them know about. He's just getting ready to let them un- to come to an understanding. And, and no different here. I read a tweet. I thought it was really funny. This mother had made this tweet about her, her toddler, and she did it kind of in script form. And she said, toddler, speaking in, uh, you know, un- understandable English, mom, got it. Narrators, and then it says narrator, uh, mom does not mom does not got it and toddler is very angry <laughs> okay they, they they cannot reconcile this now it's time why because this is all this this multiplication thing he's going to do is off the radar okay we've seen him do everything else it's off the grid of what jesus is getting ready to do so so it, they can't reconcile that god does some things in our life that are off the grid when we're finished we're done we're ready to move on and then guess what we can't the door isn't there to move on. The door, the opportunity, the grieving hasn't stopped yet. The, the circumstance hasn't changed quite yet. It's still in suspension because God is saying, I'm not done yet. I remember one time uh, calling my wife from work and, uh, and it is just, just a really <laughs> troubled time and, and uh, troubled time in our life. And I remember I said, you know, I said, I just remember a different time. And I remember those times, and I remember how pure and how simple and how good it was. 
And I said, I just, I, I just was at a place I didn't, I couldn't reconcile where I was. What had I done to be put in a desolate place? Have you ever wondered what you'd done to be put there? They even go on to protest. Let's go on to the next one. They went from a misstep. They went, Jesus was having to mature them, get them thinking different because he had to get them back. He had to keep them on the mission that he had called them to. He had to keep them in a place where that he was able to work in them. And the way that he did that is this. Now, by the way, let me just mention this. Uh, I'm going to kind of just tease this before I jump to it. And that is this, that they, this is one of the few events in the Bible that the disciples never got it until later. There are many times that Jesus spoke to them and Jesus, after he would say, he would drop something out there like a bomb that went to the Pharisees, or he would say something, what was considered a bomb in that culture where his doctrine and what he was talking about and, and being a, and, and, and the fact that his gospel was here to, uh, to, to, to bring the kingdom of God and to bring, uh, the new life that the new work that God was doing that they didn't understand. And the disciples would come to him and say, Whoa, Hey, what was that? What did that mean? And Jesus would say, Well, Hey, do you not understand yet? And he would tell them. But if you'll, re- you'll look into this, there's never a time that Jesus explains this whole event to his disciples, but they come to understand it later. I, w- I wish that there was, I wish that there were windows. I wish that there were the debrief sessions after every season, especially after desolate times. We know when a desolate times ended in our life, there's no doubt. But you know what? Sometimes I, if the unpacking of that happens sometimes months and years. We want to forget that thing. That was just, man, can we just sweep that behind us and go on? That's a great can-do-go-getter attitude. The problem is, is this. You'll be unpacking that thing long after you are you have left the desolate place. And you're on your way somewhere else. The mission that happened to this, Jesus got him back to the word of God. Notice this now. Jesus uses familiar things to communicate something unfamiliar. What do I mean by that? In Deuteronomy 8, 3 and 4, it says, and it's talking about the children of Israel. It says, and he humbled you and let you hunger. What? God did. And fed you with manna which you did not know. Nor did your fathers know that he might, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone. But man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Guess what? You don't know. And when you talk to people and they don't understand, what's that person's problem? They're just in some funk. Why can't they just get, why don't they just get out of it? What's their problem? I mean, come on. You know, why don't they just straighten up? Why don't they just jerk out of that mess, man? You know, they're just so depressing to be around. You know, I, I got news for you, man. But when, when we kind of go through those different types of things, Jesus takes us back to the word. And that is this. He is, there's a testing that's going along in our desolate place. It's not just a random, you hit the lottery, you get the crud zone, and you get to live in the crud zone for a while. Guess what? No. Jesus is here and it says he was testing them. And because he was testing them, he returned them back to the word of God. But they were like, what? How many has ever had a what moment? God is doing something right in front of you and he's trying to get you on the same page with him. But we keep drifting. We keep drifting from what he's doing because all we can think about is we want out of this desolate place. We want out of here. We don't want to be here. We scream, you know, kick, whatever it may be in order that we could get out of that situation, that emptiness and that bleak situation. But Jesus brings us back to the fact that, guess what? This is a humbling time. You can't do anything about it. Because I ain't moving till I'm done. This is a humbling time. Guess what? You're going to be hungry. 
The disciples, they're hungry. Heck, Jesus, we're hungry. We've been working. We came back, jumped on the boat, still haven't rested, still haven't eaten yet. And and we need to go catch a bite to eat. You're going to be hungry through this. But I love this. It says, he fed you with things you did not know. Now, this isn't talking about some whimsical uh, doctrine. You just find out whatever you want that makes you feel good. No, this is talking about he fed, he fed them. He feeds with the word of, his, uh, the word of truth. But I want to check, check this out, guys. God pulls interventions with his truth. Intervention truth works like this to get us on mission. It's not what I want to hear. Intervention truth is feed them. Feed, feed them how, number one. Two, it's too late to even go and get anything. Matter of fact, I love one disciple's response. He said, shall we go? You want us to go? You really want to? I mean, I, I don't see any really like serious resistance of Christ ever going on the passage. But I love that word. Shall we go? Are you talking to us? Do you want us to go and do this? Why, why, is, why is that attitude kind of, kind of emerging? So because Jesus, he not only gives us the bread, but the bread sometimes is not, is the bread that we don't, we're not always excited about receiving. It's the bread that says, in order for you to be fed, you're going to be fed with something you don't know. I'm going to have to work with what I have. I'm going to have to trust God. I'm going to have to enter into a level of faith that I've never entered into. Sometimes there's no door around you because your faith is going to have to grow in the one who's leading you in order for you to find the door out of your desolate place. There is no, there is no crying out of it. There is no sobbing out of it. There is no fasting out of it. All of those things may help in the process, but nevertheless, you're going to have to wait and follow his lead. Remember his anointing, but that anointing isn't going to carry you through this desolate place. That touch from God helped you then, but you're going to need to learn to follow his voice right now if you're going to step out of where you are and into a place with the next thing that God has for you. Next thing. Move on up to the next thing, mission. So Jesus gets him into the ministry. Into the ministry. Go ahead and hit the another one. The ministry of a miracle. What's that? Jesus begins to speak to them about, I'll tell you what we're going to do. How much? He goes, how much do you got? Okay, let's look. They get some kid. They borrow his lunch. I don't know how they got his lunch. I don't know if they stole it. I don't know if they, they promised him an autograph by Jesus. You know, I don't know. I don't, I really don't know. I don't know if that's what happened, you know, and he was hawking it on the market, you know, autograph basket. I don't know what he had. Um, but they, they get this lunch. They say, we got five loaves, two fish. All right. We, we know this story. We got five loaves and two, two fishes. This is what I love. He says, give it to me. Give it to me. So they take it in his hands and it says this, that Jesus tells them, tell the people, sit down in groups. Tell them, sit down in groups. So they begins to organize. He begins to bring order. Now, this is what I love. <laughs> we get real excitable when we feel like there's circumstances we can't get out of. We get real excitable. So Jesus brings this down to order. Number one, give it to me. Let me handle it. That way, you're just, you got to trust me with the loaves and the fishes. Don't take a bite out of it, okay? <laughs> Don't take, give me the bread. Give me the fish. Okay, you can't have the head. Okay, give, give me the fish. And then he says this. He, he says, I want you to tell the people, sit down in groups. God has to get our mind in order, in order for him to do something. If we're in a frantic state of mind, if we're in a frantic state of, God, when is this going to happen? Sometimes our prayer is nothing more than catharsis, that we're just speaking out all our fears and worries just to feel like we prayed. And you know what? God will listen, and God will hear, and he hears our cry, thank God. But we got to give it to him. If you got to do that, do it, but release it. 
If you've got to do that, do it, but turn it loose, turn it free. So Jesus gives it to him. And I love this. After they sit down, it takes this. He takes the bread, looks up to heaven, and he blesses it. Now, the word bless here means that it's, it, the word bless here means that um, God's action in man's life to bring him to a desired relationship. That is a, that is a Greek meaning of that word. Let me read that again to you. It's God's action in man's life to bring him to the desired relationship. That word means that he is blessing what you have when you release it to him because God has a desired result. God has a desired outcome he's looking for. So as he blesses that and he releases that, he breaks it in order to give it back to disciples. Let me tell you something. Sometimes God has to break what we're holding on to in order for him to begin to work something different. God has to break what we have that we're holding on to. What our fear is, is that this is not going to look the way we want it to look or the way it always has looked. It may be broken in order for God to release it and it to multiply and to feed and to meet many other needs beyond your own. So Jesus breaks the bread, he divides the fish, and in the hands of the disciples, they begin to distribute this this thing and handing it out to him. Now, I don't know how this happened. I don't know if Jesus kept breaking off in his hand. He kept breaking it and passing it because Jesus broke the bread, it says. So I don't know if he snapped it in the middle and said, sweet communion, here you go. I don't know. I don't know if he just kept tearing it off and they kept taking it. I don't know how it happened, but it was a miracle of feeding uh, feeding the different lives. And, and, and this is what's so powerfully important because in feeding them, they were now filled with bread, which Jesus later would speak to in his self, saying, I'm the bread of life, and that he that believes on me shall never hunger. Later, he would also say, he that believes on me shall live forever, meaning that what they would leave with would leave with the fullness of God. You're going to leave fuller out of your desolate place than you did coming and receiving what you received in the first place. How can these things, we're talking about red seas, red seas, dead ends that turn into split seas. We're talking about, we're talking about desolate places that end up where God fills you up and you go away full from a desolate place. How is that possible? How do you leave some place in need, not just with your, with your needs met, but full spiritually and the bread of life, what you carry with you, the presence of God with you, the bread of his presence, it's called in other places, is going with you because desolate places do works that can't be done in richer places. Desolate places bring us near to God, okay? Let's get on to this last one. They feed him. Disciples say, we're going, we'll go along with that. Here's where it gets interesting, and we're going to quit it here in a second. It says that they picked up the fragments. That Jesus, John says that Jesus' command, take up the fragments, let none of them be wasted, so, are lost. So they pick them up. The disciples are picking up the fragments. Now, I find this interesting. I love this. This, this is a picture of, G, of the abundant life of Christ. You say, why is that? Because in the, in the Old Testament, when there was a time when manna was came down, but when the manna was given, the manna came down, they were only supposed to take what they needed. They were only supposed to take what they needed. Anything beyond that was not. And I believe the reason God was so harsh with that is because his son is the abundant life. And it was a symbolism of the abundance, meaning that you will have more than enough left over. So, so as the disciples are handling this, I want you to get this, man. They just saw something crazy happen. They saw the lunch. They, so they knew where this came from. And the Bible says that in John, in John's account, it says the people knew. And they saw it as a sign and wanted to make Jesus king on the spot. So this wasn't something that was privy to the disciples. 
This was something everybody knew that had happened. So as they saw this happening, here Jesus, they're picking up the fragments, putting it in the baskets, and it says that they fed about 5,000. So 5,000 miracles came from the discomfort of 12 disciples, or what they perceived as one mistake of Jesus. So Jesus is slow here, missing it, but he had something on the other side of that. And here's where we get on the missing element of the missing side of things this morning. They had handled it, but they were hardened to it. Jesus hadn't missed it. They were missing it. They handled the miracle. They saw him bless it. They took every piece, handled it all out. Now, I don't know how you miss something like that, but there was something else Jesus was trying to get through to them, and they were missing it. Matter of fact, so they missed it so bad. That Jesus didn't pull him and say, okay, guys, now listen, next time, remember who the shot caller is. No, he didn't say that. He said, he didn't call him around and say, okay, guys, I'm the bread of life. And if you, you know, you believed in me and, and I, I, you know, he that believes in me. And, and he didn't give him all of that right away. He didn't give that discourse to them. Matter of fact, he did this. Check this out. This night's not over. This, this retreat is still going. He tells the disciples, puts them in a boat, sends them on a boat. They're still, they're not sleeping. They're staying up all night rowing. When you don't get it, you struggle. When you don't get it, you struggle. God wants you to get it. He wants me to get it. I've missed it many times. And boy, I'll tell you what happens when I miss it. I struggle. And you know what happens? They got out on sea and they were struggling. And the miracle of Jesus comes walking the water. I say, Tim, why are you talking about this part of the story? Just, just hang with me. Because as they're coming, and it comes in the boat, it says that he would have passed them by. They would have missed Jesus again. They would have missed what was happening again. But listen to what the scripture says in verse number 51. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased. And they were utterly astounded. And we say, oh, wow, they're getting another revelation of Jesus. But look at the next verse. For they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. Jesus would go on and do another miracle to reiterate this of the feeding of 4,000. And as he was on a trip back in the boat one day, he told them, he said, I want you to be aware of the leaven of the scribes and of the Pharisees. And they looked at each other and they said, he's talking about bread, right? <laughs> he's, talking about, he's talking about bread. Oh, man, I love the bread, man. You know, and they're bummed out because that miracle just happened and they forgot so much about it. They left the bread back at the side of the scene, scene of the miracle. So they, they were on the boat and they said, it's because we didn't bring any bread. And Jesus says, are you arguing about the fact? I love it. He says, the fact, hello, the fact that you have no bread. He says, um, he goes, I actually said, I'm talking about bewaring of the doctrine of the Pharisees. Now, why did Jesus say that then? You know what? I'm going to tell you what I believe that Jesus alluded to that because after this, that's the end of it. You don't hear no more about it. Jesus never broke that down play by play for them. Never. Because there are things that are for you and I that we work out with God sometimes day by day. And God will bring lessons back years later of what we learned then. But I believe with all of my heart that what Jesus was saying is, is, you know, those guys that I'm always talking to and I'm always having to, I'm always speaking, they never get it. Guard your heart against missing it. Because it's not that it's not there. It's there. 
And when you put your, when you open your heart, when the, when the provision is there, when the miracle is there, is that God is doing something new. But before he can do something new, he'll take us to those desolate places in order to show us new and amazing things in our life. It's a story. Um, a mission, a missionary or a lady who was over mission boards, a mission board had uh, conveyed that she had found through history that that there was a, a great ruler in the Mongolian, when the Mongolian people who would turn out to be Geng- Genghis Khan, when he'd set out his, his uh, armies and his conquests and his people. And he had a son by the name of Kublai Khan. And Kublai Khan was his son that took over the kingdom. Well, what had happened is that Kublai Khan became open to Christianity idea of Christianity. There was somebody that he became associated with that became, uh, that wanted to, um, hear, he wanted to hear about it and he sent them. He said, I want you to go back. I want you to go to your, your to Europe and I want you to bring missionaries back here. And he says, I, and he believed that Christianity would do well in his, in his empire. And he sent them back to go and get missionaries and these, these this tandem of, of men went back to get missionaries. When they went back to to talk to people, they were surprised to find this was ground un, uncultivated, un, unharvested, un, un, unreaped, and they only got a few to go. A couple of friars that just volunteered and en route to the, the place, they decided against it and they went back. And when they came back to Kublai Khan and he said, where are the missionaries? And there were none. Thank God that in time that there were some that were sent. But because these people missed out on something, it caused the delay of something happening that God could have greatly done in harvesting the people, harvesting a great nation and the Mongolian people during that time. What is on delay in your life? Because you're not slowing down long enough to let God show you what he's doing. I need, a, I need another spouse. I just need to get married again. I need a new job. Maybe you do need a new job. Maybe, you're, maybe God's desire down the road is for something else to take place. But whatever it is, what's happening right now is going to be a process in order for God to prepare you for those things. And if you don't see that for what it is, you can miss out on what God is doing. Let's stand on our feet this morning. Our discomfort, our loneliness... His miracle. Jesus, I want to thank you, Father, for your patience, Lord, with me, your patience, Lord, with each one of us, and your love for us. God, I thank you. You don't tolerate us. You embrace us. I thank you that, that God, you're a loving Savior. You're a loving Father. But I pray this morning that you would help us, Lord God, not just to know and not just to live on the highs, but God, I pray in these desolate places that maybe some are here this morning experiencing that God, in this moment, let there be a feeding. Let there be something that will take place in their life that as they're being humbled, as they're going through testing, Lord, as they're, as they're, as they're learning how to, how to trust God and how to feed on you for themselves. I just pray in the name of Jesus that you would meet every need, God, that you would, Lord, let this desolate experience be something that, Lord God, will come out, Lord, in, not only for their favor, but God, through them, may many lives be touched. In Jesus' name we pray. Would you, just by raise hand, we're not going to, I'm not going to linger long here. You just raise the hand, heads bowed. Say, Tim, would you pray for me this morning? I feel like I'm just in an empty, bleak place. I just need prayer this morning. So would you pray for me? There's some things that are going on in my family, in my personal life. There's some hands going up. Amen. Let's, 
Can we, if you see a hand raised up, can you reach out and just pray for that person in front of you or near you right now? Can we just take a moment, just with hands raised, not embarrassing anyone. Just, just reach up, re, reach out and just lay a hand on them and let's enter into prayer. Jesus, we pray, praise you that you're not the one who leaves us in these times, but you're the one who's going to show us some things. You're the one who's going to do some things. You're going to teach us some things. But God, you're still going to bring us through. I pray in the name of Jesus that you'll strengthen us and bless us and help us, God, in every way, in every regard. And Jesus, I pray that you lead the way. I pray that you would show us that you look over us, preserve us through this experience. And God, let us come out and let us see what you're doing. And God, let us reap the benefit of the work that you're doing in our lives. Thank you for hindsight. Thank you for lessons learned later. But we ask you to help us to have discernment now. In Jesus' name we pray.